Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Alyssa Unton from Los Angeles, California with us. She is the CEO and founder of Arvita. Uh, Alyssa, why don't you come in and tell us what that is and what you do and your background a little bit? Absolutely. And just in the spirit of the podcast, I am joining from my living room. So good morning, <laughs> LA time here. I'm a serial entrepreneur and a founder and CEO at ArcVita. ArcVita is a modern career guidance company with an online software platform. And we provide US professionals with the structure, expert guidance, and community to find and land fulfilling work faster. And PS, we stay with you until you land. So um, my background, I earned my bachelor's degree from Cal State Fullerton, uh, universe, uh, sorry, California State University at Fullerton, not just Cal State Fullerton. And I started my career in investor relations, working full-time at an agency. And then after I graduated, I worked in communications and investor relations for a small B2B e-commerce day back in the go-go days of the late 90s. And then later I worked at a larger investor relations agency before I transitioned to strategy consulting um, for five years, actually at Booz Allen Hamilton. And there I was inspired to start my first company, which was a solo venture I called Scrumptious Lunches, because while I was working at Booz Allen, the lunch options were dire. (laughs) And although gourmet on-site point of sale food was a need, and, and I set up the whole business and piloted it. The low margin model was just not scalable. Food is a very low margin business. And then Twitter and food trucks came along two years later. So I had identified the need and a solution, but Twitter and food trucks really solved that, which was just sort of like so much learning, right? And then later I worked- How did Twitter and, and food trucks solve that? Can you expound on that a little? Yeah, absolutely. Do you, have t- do you have food trucks in your area? I know not every area does. Yeah, but I yes. mean, I guess some of them park outside of businesses, but keep keep going. Yeah, yeah. So if you're um, working in an office building, particularly big office buildings, um, and you're hungry, like it's, there's, it's- unless you're close to food, it's just kind of hard to get get there. So what Twitter did is Twitter gave the food trucks a way to broadcast their schedules. Like, oh, we're going to be here on Tuesday and here on Thursday and here, da, da, da. So then they could move around to follow the demand. Nobody wants, most people don't want to eat the same thing every day. That's true. And then, so then food trucks could move to like get the demand and the audience could just check real quick to see where, where the food truck was. Mm. And so there became this whole, the demand supply thing really evened out. And the other thing about food trucks is that, um, you know, construction sites always had food trucks that would pull up and serve them, at least in California. But um, the higher end, you know, if you think about the gourmet lunch, whatever, um, that wasn't really a thing, but food trucks can do something really important in food, which is in, um, with respect to margins, which is they can make exactly enough. So they're not wasting the food that if you're in our, in our model, we had to have the chefs make the food and then go out and try to sell it. And so we ended up donating a fair amount, which is not a bad thing, but, the margins, low margin, yeah. The margins all went to the homeless shelters, so yeah, it's a low margin business. Okay, that makes sense. So, um, at what point did your thing did you fizzle, or did you move to a food truck? Uh, 
No, no, no. So I, I actually never stopped working full time. So I tried that. The margins were too low. Didn't work. So I shut it down pretty quickly. And I went back and got my MBA at night. I switched from strategy consulting to, uh, I actually worked in construction fleet and enterprise valuation um, for five years while I got my MBA at night. And then I graduated deep into like the huge recession, right? There was yep. no demand for MBAs. I in also finance. graduated in 2008. So you remember that year. Yeah. Um, so I, I just stayed where I was working in valuation. And then later I managed and led financial planning and analysis teams at bigger companies. So Thomson Reuters and Satera and um, healthcare partners, which is now part of Optum. And so then while I was working full-time, I, I co-founded a project called the Skid Row Spa. So many people have heard in downtown Los Angeles, there's a lot of people experiencing homelessness and sadly now all across the city. Um, but this was a volunteer project that resulted in the Refresh Spot, which is a publicly funded 24-hour hygiene center for people living outside in downtown LA. And it's serving about 700 or 800 people a day now. And um, that was a volunteer uh, advocacy project. And I'm not involved with it. It's actually operated by Homeless Healthcare, which is awesome because cleanliness is dignity. You can imagine. Were those like trailer trucks that would come in with the showers or were they, was it a stationary building? This is actually a permanent location. So when we worked with an architect to design it and what we saw, and I think you can hear, I have a lot of finance background, but what we saw is actually building a permanent building is more cost-effective than trailers, Mm -hmm. which is counterintuitive. Um, But optically voters hate a permanent location because they, people want to believe that, you know, this is just going to be temporary while people gain homelessness, you know, while, by the way, they don't want any, many people don't want any new housing in their neighborhood. But anyway, I digress. Of course. Um, so this, we, we did work with the city and found a vendor, the city of Los Angeles who funds this. We found vendors for um, temporary trailers, well, trailers that are, um, I digress, but the format is a stationary location. It has good security. It has showers, laundry, toilets, case management. You can charge your phone. There's music. There's places to sit. Like it's a nice place. And and um, and the facility itself is in temporary structures. Although uh, last year they expanded it, I think doubled the size with more temporary trailers. You have mentioned a lot of things that I'm very unfamiliar with. Um, your background is just very different from mine. So I, I have a few questions. Can you talk a little bit about what, what, is, what does someone who's in investor relations do? Yeah, absolutely. So have you heard of public relations? Yes, but go it's, ahead and describe it's it. It's just that. Didn't know. <laughs> okay, so public relations is basically the communication side of a business, or sometimes people hire an agency to share with the audiences. So it used to be very much focused on just journalists, so media, newspapers, and TV, and that sort of thing. Now, communications, of course, is so broad because it includes podcast hosts. I bet you get pitched, actually, by PR people. Yeah. Yeah, Um, it's nice. (laughs) So uh, investor relations is a public relations function that sits in the office of a chief financial officer for publicly traded companies. So if your company is listed on NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, you have a lot of investors and and you have big institutional investors and you have small investors and you have analysts maybe that follow the industry or your company. So there's a lot of important audiences. And so 
And as you can imagine, the Securities and Exchange Commission has a lot of rules around what you can say and when you can say it, what you can't say and who you can say it to. And so um, it's a very regulated communications function that's designed to communicate what's happening from a business or financial standpoint to your key stakeholders. I'm assuming there's a lot of legal jargon in there. Do you work closely with lawyers? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the it's an interest. I loved, I loved the working in that function was one of the places, you know, I started my career there and it's, you really have to understand the financials. So it's pretty analytic and it's also pretty strategic because, you know, the story is, Hey, our business is great. Or, Oh, we had a crisis, but we're recovering or we're growing or something, you know, investors really want to understand what they're owning or, Mm -hmm. you know, are they going to buy or sell? Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. And so that has very real ramifications for a company's ability to maintain their operations. If they cannot fund their business with equity, they're in trouble or out of business. So it's, it's, you know, not that PR public relations isn't important. That's the input side, right? Sales, but the investor relations is really about holding up the company's story to the owners or potential owners. So yeah, lots of, lots of skills I still use. It's not a big, like, it's not a great place for a career actually, because there's not that many, if you think about how many public companies are going to hire full-time investor relations people, it's just not, you know, versus like being a finance person or being a teacher, like, you know, where there's just so much more opportunity. And then you were talking about doing an MBA at night while working, were you full-time? Uh-huh. Yeah. And did, were you raising a family at any point here? No. So I had my, I have one daughter and I had her after I graduated. Okay. Yeah. So when I wasn't, when I, I wasn't able to land my new job. So I was still in the job that I'd been in while I was doing my MBA in valuation. And that's when I had my daughter. So I still okay. worked. I took time off from returning leave, which I was grateful for, but then I was still working, but only, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. And what is the valuation job? Can you describe that for a few mm-hmm. minutes? Um, I don't know if you own a home, but lots of people do. And often when you buy a home, there's an appraisal of how much that home is worth. Yep. That's just valuation. Valuation 101 is how much is someone willing to pay for this? And they look at factors like what are the comparables? So if you're thinking about it from a home standpoint, it's the other homes in your neighborhood. So valuation is really important for um in this case, it, it was low companies that have big construction fleets finance those fleets. So vehicles, right? If you've ever got a car loan, that's financing for your one car, but you're financing right. the whole fleet. So that is um, backed by their, those fleets are backed by debt. So asset back loans, right? You're just the way you're, if you have a car that's financed, that's an asset back loan or your mortgage is an asset back loan. So okay. um in order for the banks to feel like they have a solid case to lend the money, they need to understand the value of the fleet. And as you can imagine, the value changes over time and yep. market demand and all that. Yeah. Depreciation. and yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you got it. All right. So let's see. And then now, why don't you talk about Arcvita for a while? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, when I was building these big finance teams, I was working in-house, big corporations, building bigger and bigger finance teams. I was also mentoring college undergraduates at my alma mater. I always like to, I've gotten a lot of help in my life and I always try to find ways to volunteer and give back. And so I would have these people for three to five, three to five students for the whole year. 
And like, I was supportive or would like look at their resume or mock interviews, but like really help. Like it wasn't really a solution because the, the, you know, career fairs and applying cold and like, it, it doesn't work. That's not how people land fulfilling jobs. And so I was also trying to, I was also recruiting and hiring for my own growing teams. And that side is super broken, like job descriptions and getting positions filled. And like, it's so, it takes so long to get the right person in the right chair. So were you doing I, the HR yourself or were no, you? No, I have- wasn't even HR. I was a finance person, but mm-hmm. very typically in internal recruiting, um, an internal recruiter would be recruiting for many different kinds of work. So they don't really understand your work very well. And they don't understand the business that well. They understand recruiting. And the structure is such that they're not adding that much value. So they get overloaded with work. So often the first thing an internal recruiter would say to me is, well, I have 60 requisitions I'm hiring for. So no one, they can't really spend any enough time on any one requisition because then the other things, you know, it's just, it's hard. The process is pretty broken on the inside too. And there's a lot of people trying to change it, but what has happened, if you, have you heard of external recruiters? Like headhunters? Yeah. So what happens is because the internal recruiting function doesn't work very well, companies, and I did this too, end up paying a large salary, like 25 or 30% of the salary to an external recruiter to do that work, to find Who probably people. knows even less about the company. Actually, they actually tend to be very good because they okay. specialize in, A, they're making a lot of money. So okay. external recruiters will place one to three candidates a month right? So 12 a year, if you think about how few that is, and they work functionally. So let's say you, you've got, you and I share talked, you've got this background in education. So maybe you're like, you know what, I'm going to look for um, learning and development training where I can also bring in my podcast skills because it's the big thing where I'm working. So I'm going to look for this and I'm going to find, you know, adult education is really where I want to be. So I'm going to find the recruiter who does that, right? So when you find that recruiter, they really understand what your skill sets are and what the need is, because that's all they do. So they're good at it, but it's very expensive and slow. They're not trying to juggle so many positions like you were doing as you were trying to be internal and. Yeah, I wasn't even recruiting. So Mm -hmm. I had, I was running a bit, I was running the finance team. So my job was budgeting, forecasting analysis. I had seven people on my team and I collaborated with lots of the leaders. Like my job wasn't recruiting, but if I didn't hire people, I was going to die. Like I can't, I couldn't be a mother and exercise and sleep without people doing the work, you know? So when I left our when I left that company, I had an opportunity to become an entrepreneur. I looked around at sort of what I thought were big problems. And I'd also done a lot of work around my credo. Like, what? why am I here? Like, what's my purpose? And part of my purpose at work is helping other people develop their careers. I, you know, I, as I mentioned, I've had a lot of help. So when I thought about that, I thought like, oh, you know, maybe there's something here that I could really scale this, not help like informally, but really scale. Um, and also like this problem of the job market being so broken, like this is a massive problem. Like it's a problem for everyone in every country, in every field, like it's just broken. So p- another part of my credo at work is solving big problems. So this is, and then I started our Kvita 
with a friend of mine who's a brilliant career coach. And I had watched her for five years. She did this thing that she called a solo entrepreneur business. She called career happiness coaching, mostly um, for people in their forties and fifties. And so we took one-on-one. Yeah. So that's really hard to scale. She did, she had a little bit of group, but not very much. Um, and she didn't have any of the community. Well, she had, I can't remember if she had only a little bit of community, but she didn't have any of the external recruiter or external mentors or um, the software. We have this whole software application. So she wouldn't, she wouldn't have been able to scale with what she did. You know, solo coaches is you're selling your time basically, right? So it's hard to scale. But yeah, so she she and I teamed up and then um, we we launched our first program for recent college graduates in 20. 18, our second program for um, mid-career, so people like you, six to six to 15 years of work experience, about half of whom have a master's degree, many, mm-hmm. many, majority, probably our parents or caregivers. Um, we launched in 2019, and then in 2020, we launched Energize, which is our service for people with 20 or 15, more than 15 years of work experience. It looks like the sweet spot there is probably 20 to 25. I actually have over 20 years, but Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you look so lo- young. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm 43. Um, a lot of that, though, was, you know, without much movement. Um, mm. I was raising my family while, you know, carrying the burden of the the health um, benefits and all of that. But I was also like, you know, with young, young children. And so I was working more or less full time. It was considered full time, but it was like 0.78, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um and so I didn't move. Like I wasn't trying to like move up the ladder during those years. And I find that now when I'm looking at positions, people just assume that if you have over 10 or 15 years of work experience that you have like ranked and ranked and ranked. And that's where I kind of feel like a fish out of water, maybe. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I have a couple things there. My first encouragement to you is aren't working parents amazing? Like, look, you held it all together. Everybody had health insurance. I, you know, not, not, it's hard, right? I love, by the way, I love hiring working parents because they get things done. Like if somebody is not in the ER bleeding or dead, it gets done. Um, But so, you know, pat yourself on the back for managing that juggle. It's hard and you're, you're, you're doing it. You did it Um, in terms separately, in terms of how you communicate your experience. Um, one, one tip is that you just don't need it all in your resume. Like really, if you think about it, even if you were to hire, let's say you were to hire a podcast editor or something, you're not really that interested in what happened even 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. What have you been doing the last couple of years? If someone said to you like, oh, well, 10 years ago, I edited a podcast. You'd be like, okay, like what are your skills now? So a lot of us, you know, people with a lot of experience think like, oh, I have to put everything on my resume. No, a resume is a marketing document that's really about, hey, this is how I add value, what my skills are. And recency is, or recent work, is recency even a word? I feel like no. It felt fine to me, but go for it. (laughs) Now I have to like, somebody's going to Wikipedia this and tell me, right? Um, Yeah, recent work and skills are actually more important. I have, um, and we can include this in the show notes, but I'll definitely send it to you as well. Um, We have a lot of content on our blog targeted at people in career transition. And one of the things is a, um, how to update your resume and Mm -hmm. something else that might be good for you to look at is using 
volunteering to level up in your career. And you might be able to look at, you know, in this case, your podcasting is kind of more of a side hustle, but you know, that's sort of like in between where you're not a paid employee. Right. Right. Um, I think that your mentoring work that you were doing as a volunteer, I mean, I guess I should just ask, did you feel like that really helped influence your decision to start Arcvita? Um, yeah, very much. They, you know, both, both my work that I was doing as a leader in these corporations, really understanding how much team matters, like how important the people you work with are, like the right skills, experience, education, and knowledge in the right chair. And if everybody in your team is like that, it's great. And if not, or even if one person is wrong, it's not great. Mm-hmm. So really understanding how important that fit is. And then also just seeing the frustration that other people, both in that formal program, the college undergraduates, but also, you know, people would just come talk to me about what they were trying to do in their lives and their careers and how there just wasn't, it just wasn't great solutions. Like, um, I can't, so, you know, if you think about what, you know, and this is very like, U.S. professional centric. So I'm going to own that as a lens. But if you think about what professionals invest in, often fitness, right? So join a gym or maybe golf or yoga or something like that, but you pay for that. Um, your wardrobe, I mean, working at home, we don't have to do as much, but you still need like something, right? Hair, maybe, um, you know, hair, especially for women. Like, can we talk about how much people spend on their hair every month? Like, it's not free. So, <laughs> so I mean, and if it is like, I applaud you for that. I'm still owning living in LA. Like, I have to tell you the culture, whatever. But, um, you know, there's a lot of money that people are investing in physical image, mental health, even if you go to have any kind of therapy or group support, um, nutrition, you know, whatever, right? So the fitness industry, and this is, I think, 2020 figures, is $35 billion a year with a B in the U.S. And career stuff like all in right individual career coaching and probably like resume classes which spoiler a good resume will not land you a good job that's not how it works um but all of that is like i think 15 billion like half wow so yeah and and so what i saw is like people are really frustrated and it really matters like a great job changes your life right? A great job is opportunity for income. It's you're feeding your family, right? You can send your kids to classes. Maybe you can hire a caregiver for your elderly grandmother or your mom. You know, opportunity means you can have a more fulfilling career for longer. That means you can afford to live where you want to live. It means retirement. Like it's not a side note, right? It's not like, oh, I can wear my favorite jeans again. Like like fitness might be sometimes if you think about short term, right? So with the right investment, you really change your life. And so that, to me, that was just really inspiring. And also, as I said, I'm not the career coach. My Mm co-founder is doing this work with people. And I was watching, you know, I knew her for five years and the results are great. And I was sitting there watching that and I was like, wait a minute there's a solution for this nonsense. Like, this is great. 
I feel like I kind of side railed us a little earlier when I was talking about myself. <laughs> um, but you were talking about the different uh, categories of people that you reach, like the people with, you know, recent graduating, uh, who are recent graduates, sorry. And then those with 15 and then more. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to keep going down that thread that I kind of interrupted? Yeah, happy to. So the commonality for our clients, as I said, we're only in the U.S. right now. We are, we're excited to go global. I actually started to talk, I guess. It's not really news, but ooh, oh, well, I started talking to somebody um, in Singapore and, uh, and somebody else in Egypt. So we'll see TBD, not this year. Um, but, uh, you know, people are ambitious. People want, like even you, like you're not done. Like you've got a lot of excitement around what you're going to do in the world and how you're going to, you know, not just earn money, how you're going to contribute and impact them. You know, um, so people have energy, they're ambitious, um, people who are not done. So if you've worked with people, or even if you've had in your life, I think, I can't remember, maybe before we started recording, you've had periods where you're just kind of like, I'm on cruise control, baby. Like I'm doing the work, but I'm not ambitious right now, which is fine. <laughs> right? Every team has those people like that's totally fine, but you're not in a mode where you're going to ambitiously look for something. So you're ambitious, you're not done with your career and you're willing to invest the time. And this is a big one because mm-hmm. although you might think parents have this problem, it is not a parent problem. It is across the age range, actively doing the work to really identify who am I? What makes me happy? What are my top skills? What kind of life am I building? Where is the opportunity? This takes time. So it takes five to 10 hours a week for our clients in 10, 12, or 16 weeks. Like that's an investment of time, right? So if you're actively looking, have time that you're willing to devote, not everybody does. And it is, you know, it is an investment. You can see our pricing on our website. It's, um, we keep it less than a week of salary. A lot of people, it's less than a half a week of salary. And I do ask, because of course I'm a finance person, how much, you know, what are you trying to make here? Um, yeah, so that's the thing is you're willing to invest the time. You can afford the money. You should never, ever pay for coaching or career guidance when you need to pay your rent. You know, you need to know, we say our rule of thumb is you need to have runway for at least two months, you know how to pay your bills. And the second you drop below that two months, you need to shift your focus to earning you know, short-term income. So mm-hmm. babysitting, dog walking, consulting as a backfill for a CFO, like whatever you do, do that. Yeah. You know, just so finish, like is that where you see people like driving for Uber and those kinds of things just to yeah, get by for I mean, that short time? Where I see people, so one of the mistakes that job seekers make, especially if they're they've they haven't they've left their job. So if you haven't left your job yet, there's an article, and again, I'm saying all this stuff for show notes, but we can put it anywhere. There's an article we have on our blog called What to Consider Before You Leave Your Job. Mm-hmm. Go read that before you quit. But mm-hmm. in a case like yours where you've, you're in transition or if you're a recent college graduate or maybe you've been a caregiver for a child or a parent, and now that finally, like, hello, vaccines. Yes, yes. <laughs> hello, I'm so excited about this. I, because I just got my kid vaccinated, not, you know, so now that finally COVID is lifting and you're like, okay, we can do this. Um, it's really important for income and also mindset that you're going to work, that you're, you know, like you said, drive Uber. Um, some of um, shipped. I don't know if you've heard of that one is yeah. an interesting one. So, if, so that's one, if you don't want to deal with restaurants, if you're like, if you're the kind of person who likes to go to target, 
it's for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And, but we just say, and again, not to keep driving people back to our blog, but we have good stuff. There's an article we have about staying solvent while you job search that we actually detail a lot of the ways that our clients have made money. Like this is not like, Oh, we Googled like, no, this is how our clients who are professionals on job street made money. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yeah. So definitely two months, the, the heuristic, there's two months that you need the runway and on the timing front, if you're going to invest up to 10 high quality hours a week, I always say high quality. This is not when you're tired. Right? <laughs> Your brain has to be on. Huh. Um, or trying to like watch Netflix in the background. Nope. 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 <laughs> uh, you can listen to a podcast. I guess. Anyway, um, it's a joke, right? Because I don't want to like. <laughs> I, I don't, but I, I definitely have to focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're doing that and, you know, you should sleep eight hours a day and nurture yourself and take care of family, you have time to work. So, you know, picking up short-term flexible work while you're in mm-hmm. transition is a great, great option. One of my go-tos right now is I'm actually actively applying for my um, uh, different district. I, uh, we just changed schools. And so I'm going to try to substitute teach for our local district. I did it. I've done it in the past for like almost five years. And it's the sort of thing where I wouldn't feel like I'm just like abandoning them if I were to like bow out once I get full-time employment again. Uh, But it's nice transition work and they really need help right now. Like really desperately. I think every school district needs help. Yeah. If you've got, if you've got the heart for it and you can, you can show up and do it. I think that's a great one. We had um, during the pandemic, one of our clients was um, leading a pod. If you heard about learning pods. Yep. Oh yeah. So we have friends that did it. Yep. Not as easy to bow out, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, lots of options right now. I have to tell you, like, um, I'm sorry, can I stand on, I'm going to stand on an opinion soapbox for a second. Okay. I've been watching career markets for a while, right. Cause I was mentoring college undergraduates for five years and then hiring and then there, you know, it was slow or whatever. Um, I think the job market coming out, you know, starting in 2022 is going to be amazing. (laughs) Like, like in terms of like what it's been like so far there, it's been a little chaotic, I think. And so rule of thumb is if, and this is for people, not, not for you, you, cause you're still trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? But for people who know what they want to do, maybe you're already working. You just want a different job. Start Mm -hmm. talking to people in the right field don't apply cold. If you're getting an offer or exciting interviews within four weeks, you're good. You don't need help. If you're not, that's us. That's where you need help because the time, you know, jobs, jobs searching, especially as professionals really has cycles. So if you think about, I'm sure teaching, if you think of that as analogy, you want to get hired as a teacher, July is your month right? Because <laughs> that's when districts went. If you want to work seasonal work at Sir Latab, I love that stuff. And man, that discount would be great, right? Now's a good time, right? Yeah. So right seasonal- before the winter holidays. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of professional job seeking, if you're, if you're actively looking already and you're not getting exciting interviews, the next, um, it's effectively like four or five weeks. I'm looking at my calendar. Four or five weeks are a great time to spend on that self-awareness, reflection, like who mm-hmm. am I in the world stuff. But, or if you're not ready, you're going to just do the holidays with your family. January is going to be really good time for, and January is always a good time, but especially this year because businesses spent so much of the last 
I guess, two years, like reacting, right? What are we going to do with COVID? What are we going to do with people working more? Everybody going home, not everybody. By the way, 35% of the U.S. professional workforce went home. That's not everybody. That's probably, do you know the statistics for prior for people working at home? I don't. I just, I, I just feel that it's really advanced quickly. And that, you know, I know that the work from home environment and like the acceptance of it has really progressed, but I don't know statistics. Yeah. I I don't either. It'd be fun to see them, but yeah. So I think a lot of people well, anecdotally, the many of our current clients and people I've spoken to are not, they want to work at home and their offices are saying like, no, you got to come back. And they're like, no, I don't. And so I think a lot of people, maybe 10% of people who are in that position are going to be on the move. By the way, all their jobs are going to open up. So if you're someone who's willing to do hybrid, that's available to you. And then businesses are also, you can't really run a business in react mode. It's been Mm -hmm. two years. So I think with January, a lot of businesses have that fiscal year calendar and budget. Okay. And I think with January, the market salaries, people are going to really realize that if we're going to really fill these open positions, we have to mm-hmm. raise salaries. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be great for people who are job seeking. And I think positions that have been open a while or people have left and they've been like, oh, we're not sure what to do. And be like, no, we actually need these people. So I think businesses are going to hire faster. So mm-hmm. I think Blah, blah. I think the first quarter is going to be a really amazing time to land a new job. I hear so much conflicting information about uh, job availability. You know, people are saying that we're hiring, we're hiring, we can't find workers. And other people are saying we're, we're applying, we're applying, we're applying, and we're not getting interviews. And I feel like there's some sort of like mismatch. I know some people are accusing people of trying to like live off of their unemployment benefits or, you know, the stimulus packages, whatever. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause it just feels really like a confusing time for a lot of people. And I know that it would be easy to get hired into a restaurant, but maybe more difficult to get hired into a remote desk job. That's like the high valued, you know, positions right now. Yeah. Yeah. I love this topic. And I, I wish I'd, if I'd have thought about it, I would have pulled up those references. There's an amazing research report that I came, that just came out of Harvard or maybe in conjunction with Deloitte about what's really happening. Um, but a couple things to know. One, there is not one job market. So right. the media in particular is writing these summary high level, whatever, like mm-hmm. the job market in Phoenix is not the job market in Indianapolis is not the job market in LA. So that's right. one thing to know. Um, the second thing to know is that um, back to that heuristic of if you're job seeking, if you're a professional looking for a job and you are not landing an exciting interview within four weeks, something's happening with you. Okay. So your skills are not in demand. You are not in a job market that's growing. So higher education, by the way, is going to go through a major contraction in the next X years. When you look at the demographics, the millennials are pretty done. Gen Z is not that big. And a lot of college graduates have learned that the debt will cripple them. And so they're Mm -hmm. telling people and their families, you don't really need to go to college. So Mm -hmm. higher education, if you're an employee in higher education, that's a different kind of job search than if you're in uh, tech, for example, right? So industry matters, geography matters, function matters. So you and I were just chatting about your prior work as a medical transcriptionist and how technology changed that. 
Well, you know what else isn't popular anymore? Being a blacksmith, right? Like technology changes things. And so um, that's a big deal. Another thing, and you reference this in restaurant work, but if you think about if you expand to hospitality, so hotels, travel, um, uh, I don't know if you saw American Airlines is paying massive holiday bonuses to their people because- speaking of a not not working at home job, but that's not true. Actually, a lot of American Airlines employees do work at home, but um, yeah, like the salaries have not been reflective of what people are willing to work for. And if you think about how many hundreds of thousands of people died in this country and what that means, like, even if the person who died wasn't working, that was a caregiver, like I forget the numbers, like more than a million children lost their primary caregiver to death. Like who's, I know, I feel like crying too. Like who's taking care of those children, right? Even if they're not, even if they were in the workforce, like, or weren't in the workforce, like the work of raising those children is there. That's not going away. And so that's one, I think, difference in the labor market. And then a lot of people retired. My, both of my parents stopped working during COVID. My dad's a little older. And so he had planned it, but he mm-hmm. had also done some, he'd been still working, even though he was officially retired and he stopped that. Mm-hmm. And then my mom retired. Well, millions of baby boomers who had been kept working, even though they were old enough to retire, like my dad, mm-hmm. or just decided, well, I'll just retire. Like, those people aren't working. So the workforce actually contracted, but like, are the people who are in the workforce or wanting to work, wanting to do that work, right? So that's the other thing is like, even if you think of what you want to do versus in your local, if you do a quick Google map, I love this, by the way, if you're doing any kind of local, if you do a quick Google maps in your local geography of big companies, Google map search just to see like, Oh, what's available. Like you search big companies. No, just if you you, like, you just like start putting in Apple and Google and like, yeah. I mean, no, no, no. Like, so what, uh, let's say you're in the Scottsdale area or Tempe Uh or whatever. So just, you know, do your little, like pull up your city and be like nearby businesses in Google or any maps doesn't have to be Google maps. Mm -hmm. And then you could just see like what's there. And like, if what's really near you is a lot of like restaurants, but you don't want to work in restaurants, right? So that might not be a good local match for you, which is why remote work is going to be great for you, right? So then you might think about from a remote perspective, you might think about like, oh, let me go on the Facebook groups and see what remote companies are hiring. Or let me look at, um, let me research like, remote jobs that can be done well remotely with my skills or whatever. Right. Well, even in indeed, I just type in remote for the location and Mm -hmm. it'll bring up, like if I type in keywords that match like my training or my background or experience or my desires, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll, they'll be like nationwide. Yeah. And so what's happening is that for remote workers in particular, this is my opinion. This is not data backed a lot more people want to work remotely Oh yeah, and there are remote positions. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. because of that competition, you really can't apply cold. That's the second time I've told you that yeah. and your listeners don't yeah. apply cold. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing is where as a job seeker, you think, oh, I could do that. If you haven't done that precisely and you don't know somebody who can introduce you to somebody, 
you're not going to get that interview in within that four week period. Right. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing that happens, and this is not specific to remote work is you think, well, I've been looking and I haven't landed anything. So I'll just expand what I'm willing to do. Right. And then you look for, oh, you're nodding. You've been here. (laughs) My husband went through this. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you follow that thread, pretty soon you're applying for jobs that you're really not qualified for. Mm -hmm. And nobody who's looking at the application can draw that connection either, by the Mm way. Or just locations that you might not want to even go to. Yeah. So then if you get an interview, it's not even a job you actually want. Mm -hmm. And then by the way, guess what happens when you show up for an interview for a job you don't actually want? You're not the top candidate. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's another thing that's happening is that the, just the way people are trying to find jobs is really off, you know, applying cold. And then the third thing is salary mismatch. So Mm -hmm. maybe the businesses that are trying to hire are not offering schedule and benefits and pay that are attractive enough for you to go work for them. And so then they're going to say like, oh, we can't find people. That's not actually true. There's people. They're just not offering anything people want. So we could talk about the great resignation and, you know, what that, how that started and, you know, what it means. Basically people not wanting to work in the jobs that, or they, they got the taste of working from home and wanted to keep that, or they realized that their priorities were different than um, they had been in the prior days before the pandemic. And I know for me, I have held back a little bit on pursuing um, a 40 hour a week, you know, career again, because my kids weren't vaccinated. They are in the middle of it now. They've had dose one and we're working on, you know, like we got it scheduled already for dose two. Yay. Um, and I think that as soon as I know that my kids are fully vaccinated, I will feel free to, you know, because I've always felt like I'm in limbo. I don't like, know. What if I don't know if people are ready for us to feel free, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a very fun winter. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope that these companies are gonna realize that, you know, the benefits package needs to include the ability to work remotely or the ability, the freedom to work um flexible hours or, you know, things like that. Like they I think that in addition to salary, you know, obviously keeping up with inflation. Um, you know, a lot of people are just just discontented, I guess. Is that, is that a word? (laughs) Yeah. They're discontent. I think discontent. Yeah. I mean, I have sort of two things, two responses here. One is that, um, if you're a top candidate, you can really negotiate for what you want. So not every job is advertised as remote, flexible, autonomous, whatever. But if you're great and can really communicate your skills, a lot more jobs are. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we have an article about how to negotiate with your boss on how to either stay remote or to move remote. So one encouragement is that if this, if what you need to make your life work is remote, flexible, whatever, you know, be open to other things that you could negotiate, not just looking for remote, whatever. That's a really good point. Yeah, you know, if you think about how fast the world has changed, like I have, and I think this is one of your prep questions too, like I have fiber optic internet at home, <laughs> you know, like I wish that <laughs> We're changes, close, but yeah, but like I can record a podcast with you from my living room with great audio quality, you know, so the world changes and the world certainly changed during COVID, but your ability to negotiate 
what you need, whether that's compensation, time off, flexibility, remote, flexible training, opportunity, development, like all of it really comes back to your leverage of being a top candidate where your skills and education are a fit for what the employer needs. So I just need to ask, does that come in not during the interview, but in the negotiation after they've offered you the job? Like, I don't want to scare people off before they offer me something. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, always do your research by having conversations to understand, you know, compensation ranges. So you're not going to be, um, way out of range. You know, if you want double what a company has in their budgets, it's not going to work for anybody. So you do know that, um, there's, uh, again, we have so much content on our blog. Go, go educate yourself, but I will look forward to reading it. There's, um, in our article about modern interview etiquette, we encourage people to, if you don't know the salary range at the end of your first interview, ask for the salary range so that you don't waste your time. So it's not like, oh, you can convince somebody to pay double. You can't, right? That's not realistic, but when you're a really strong fit, your values align, the team seems like they're going to, you know, you're going to add to the culture on the team. Your skills are what the company needs to grow or sustain or reduce risk or something important. You're creating value, right? And so when you can say, this is how I'm going to create value for you, your company, your team, then you generate leverage to negotiate what you need how I'm going to be a great employee is, you know, I'm going to work remotely or half the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, you have mentioned a couple of times, don't apply cold. And so don't just like apply through indeed. Don't just um, throw in a, in, you need a connection. Is that what you're getting at? Like you need to have networking and leverage that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, this is, And there's caveats, right? And I want to be careful of that. I know your audience is people who are working remotely. So probably more professionals. I would assume, I don't know if you know. We've got, got, as far as my guests, you know, it's about half and half entrepreneurs or people who are starting their own small business versus Mm -hmm. employees and freelancers. Yeah. Oh, great. So entrepreneurs and freelancers know that relationships are how you create business. Mm -hmm. People hire people they trust and people trust people they like and people like people they know. This is not rocket science. If you've Mm -hmm. ever hired a babysitter or gone to find a doctor, or, you know, if you think of any of the ways, or if you've even like, if you're religious, if you try a church, like companies don't hire people, people hire people, Mm -hmm. right? So When, and then the, so that's one thing to know about relationships and why they matter, whether you're an entrepreneur selling something or an employee, employee looking for your next great thing. Um, The other thing is that you're not going to know important information about why you'll thrive in a role if you don't talk to people. So to use an analogy back to the travel analogy, pretty sure that if you want to be a reservation agent for an airline, that's available to you right now, right? There's a lot of openings. The customer service roles. Yeah. I mean, who do you call when the flight gets canceled? Somebody's on the other end of that line and I Mm -hmm. bet they're working at home, Mm -hmm. right? So I would, if you don't, if you just glamorize what that work is like, 
you're not going to know much about the schedule, the demands, the stress, the money, the opportunity, the culture. Um, so you really need to talk to people who are doing that work to understand why you're going to thrive. And I always, always bring up the isms, so racism. You know, this is a white supremacist world. If you are not a white person, it's hard and awful. And I hope that everyone on that, you know, you and I and everyone listening, we should be actively working to dismantle the white supremacy that has been so toxic and terrible. And also you got to avoid it. Don't work for a culture that's terrible, right? How do you figure out what the culture is? Not by Googling. You have to talk to people. Uh, Ageism. If you walk around pre-COVID at an average corporation, not a lot of people over 50. What happened to those people, right? They're still Mm -hmm. working. I talk to them all the time. They get Mm -hmm. forced out. So Mm -hmm. if a company is ageist, Mm -hmm. you should know that, right? If you're- I've seen it happen. I've known people that like literally months before retirement were let go. And yeah. Yeah. So how do you find a place where you, you know, and sexism, I mean, (laughs) side note, if there's no women, if you're a woman and there's no women in the leadership team or on the board of directors, right. Really, really. (laughs) Right. So, and Yeah. So, but understanding how a culture is, and that's just identity stuff, right? If you're an introvert and don't really want to talk to people, don't end up in a company where they expect you to on Zoom video all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you want to learn and grow, don't go work for a company that wants you to do the same job all day, every day for two years, right? So there's so many reasons to talk to people. And as you talk to people, you're going to figure out why you're going to be awesome and thrive and why the company really needs you. So that's why you have to talk to people, not just to be to build the relationships. Can you talk about gaps? Um, I know you were talking about having current relevant, you know, work history um, is what gets you hired in your next job. So what about the people that have a gap that did take off some time to be a caregiver of some sort or for whatever reason, illness? Oh, I love this question. So I think there's sort of two separate categories here. So I want to talk about it a little separately. The first category is the one that people who are really feeling stuck and really feeling discouraged right now is people who are recently coming out of a gap, right? Especially with COVID, a lot of parents of young children or caregivers of elderly parents took time off. Maybe your partner died. Like it's been really, really tough out here, right? And so now you're like, okay, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to go to work. So What's really important is spending the time on your story to make it future focused, not back looking backward, future focused. Here's my skills. Here's what I learned during this time. Here's what I'm bringing to you as an employer. And I have a template. If anyone wants to send me a note, um, hello at arcvita, A-R-C-V-I-D-A.com or Elissa at arcvita, E-L-I-S-S-A at arcvita. Com, I have a template called What's Your Story? It's Do you remember the old Mad Libs? Yeah. It's that. It's a Mad awesome. Libs. You can write your story because, and then you can, once you have it, of course you can share it. You know, don't, don't read your story. But that's mm-hmm. a place where you shift your story from this terrible thing happened. You know, I was laid off. I was fired. My dad died. My kid, you know, I had to stay home with my child. Like all of the reasons that people have been really disconnected from work this, the narrative is this terrible thing happened to me, but now I'm going to work. No, 
the narrative you need is, here's what I did. Here's what I learned. Here's what I'm excited to do for you. So if, if you, or I don't know if you need it, but if any of your listeners need it, send me a note, happy to share that template. Um, so that's the first case is really where you're just trying to get back into it. Is you need a new story, you need a new way to communicate. The second case is in the past, you had a gap, right? And so the problem with the gap is not that you had a gap. The problem with the gap is it begs the question of, are you really going to work? Like, are you going to stay here? If I hire and train you, are you going to stay here as an employee? Because there's a lot of risk for someone. There's a lot of loss to a company if you if they train you and invest in you and then you bail. Right. And so a um, couple different things there. One, you need to find a place that's really a good fit for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so our clients do a lot of work around what we call designing your life. It's not about your job. <laughs> it's about your life. Right? Mm-hmm. How many hours you were saying, you know, you were talking about being a 0.78 employee, right? How many hours do you want to work? Do you want to travel? Do you not want to travel? Do you want to bring your dog to work? Do you only want to work at home? Like, do you really need to work for a company that whose mission aligns with yours? Like all of the things, right? This is your life. And what do you need from your job? Do you really need benefits? Do you really need opportunity to grow? Do you really need socialization? Which by the way, no shade, right? Everybody needs something different. So that's what it's really about. And you've got to align that with the opportunity so that when somebody, an interview says, interviewer says like, oh, you know, what about this gap? Which now I'm going to stand on my mentoring stool for a second. The question is not what about the gap? The question is, are you going to be a committed employee if I hire you? Okay. Right. So when someone says, what about the gap? You say, well, you know, COVID was tough. Here's why I was out of work. Here's why I'm really excited to join this company. And I'm looking at this as a long-term opportunity for me to contribute skills, dot, 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 grow that as in the role of function, industry, whatever, and develop so that I can be, you know, a great long-term employee, which don't say that, don't say great long-term employee, but you, but you again, answer the question of why. What I can do for you <clears throat> rather than, yeah. Um, I wanted to, I don't know if you wanted to wrap up anything on that one, but I did want to talk a little bit about your work from home experience and like how you're managing your team, I'm assuming, um, from home. Yeah, absolutely. We have an amazing team. I have to say one of the things that's so amazing about, fun, amazing about Argvita is that our mission is creating a world where every professional is happily engaged in work they find fulfilling. That's such a compelling mission. And so the people like the technical marketing, those kinds of people on our team really like working for the mission and our mentors and coaches, which if you look at our site, you can see we hire, train and pay happy working professionals with really impressive careers who are already certified coaches and or mentors. So they are all working full-time other places and they do this because they're so excited about you know, helping professionals really get there. Yeah. So the mission is really compelling, right? So that's super fun in terms of like why people want to work with me or with Arcvita, not just me, right? It's a team. Um, But the tools, um, I mean, 
Agvita is hosted in the cloud. So we're hosted by Azure. Very excited. We just got accepted to the Microsoft First Startup Founders Program, which is so exciting. Um, and, but everything is in the cloud, meaning nothing. So everything we do, our application is in the cloud. Our community is accessible through any web browser or application. Um, and then our team works in the cloud. So we have customer relationship management. We love HubSpot. There's lots of good options, but we love HubSpot. Um, for any of our software, we're using Visual Studio and um, GitHub is where our software is stored. We're using um, project management. I've tried a bunch of different project management and we use Trello. I don't know, are you familiar mm -hmm. with Trello? Oh, yeah. um, so I like, and there's so many different aspects of how you work that matter. Our team has a lot of people who are doing different projects. So Trello is really flexible for that. Mm -hmm. um, we use uh, like file storage. We really like Dropbox because it has the security we need and also amazing customer support. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of any other really key tools, of course, like functional tools, like, you know, accounting on zero or um, design on Canva, or, you know, we have a lot of those kinds of functional tools. How do you communicate? Oh, yeah, I like that question. So um, we do a couple things. So on projects, we like Trello, mm -hmm. where there's a checklist. So Trello, any project management tool has those, right? There's a checklist, there's a deadline, there's people on the team, and then you can put a file, share a note, do a quick check-in. Um, so any kind of projects, we like that. For um, updates, we generally use our community. So we have a community that's hosted by, it's not our tech, our application is our tech, but our community is hosted by Mighty Networks. Really love Mighty Networks, female founder as well, and um, really great functionality if anyone's looking for I don't a know place. that one. Like, um, what would it be similar to? Well, at first it was kind of like Facebook without any of that, but now it's really robust. Um, yeah, happy to, I mean, you can, I'm sure just look them up and cruise around, yeah. but really like many networks also very affordable. Um, so nice, nice ad there. Um, but yeah, so our different groups, so like our coaches have different work they're doing, our mentors and cohort leaders have, you know, we need to give them tools or support that sort of thing. So we're putting that out in the community. Um, for scheduling purposes, we're using a fair amount of the CRM because in the customer relationship management, we can just tag people. So our senior coach is Colleen. We had a new client who'd, who's going to work with her. So I just was like, hey, Colleen, here's the notes from this conversation. And then she can just go check it. So it's all very um, asynchronous, right? Mm -hmm. You just kind of do it. And it's pretty organized. So you don't, it's not like divorced from the project or the client or whatever, um, we do have uh, some, meet not a lot of meetings, but I have, I use Calendly. Do you know Calendly? Mm -hmm. So I, I really like Calendly for those of you who are working with just remote teams like ours or lots of clients. It's amazing because <laughs> it keeps me very organized and side note for balancing my life. Um, it uh, integrates with my personal calendar as well as my work calendar. So I don't nice. have to do both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use Acuity uh, scheduling, but I think they're similar in some ways. 
Yeah, we looked at Acuity several years ago, and I think it was probably a little bit newer then, so it didn't have what we needed. But, um, but yeah, so that those are the tools. And so my team can just book time with me if they need it. Good. But that keeps us out of email and it keeps us, those are the ways we stay asynchronous. Because a lot of what really is difficult if you're working remotely in across time zones, which we are, is if you're not you know, if everything has to be like on Slack even, or, um, you know, in a meeting, you just, you lose a lot of the flexibility. Yeah. So you mentioned time zones. How many time zones are we talking? So right now our clients and our team are only domestic. So in the U S so, um, in the future, I'm sure, you know, as I mentioned, we're definitely going to go global in the future, but right now it's, I don't know, what are we at now with daylight savings? Does that make us three or four time zone is Arizona mountain time now it it smushes it back into three now yeah Yeah. we are we are is that right no we are four there's I think three (laughs) because you're in mountain time now right I am yeah yeah so eastern central mountain and pacific is still four but mountain yeah because for a while I was yeah so four yeah I'm confused right now four you're right (laughs) no four so yeah four time zones okay um, you have some really great tips and uh, I guess maybe more perspective about things like meal planning or um, cooking or meal services. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and how it's helped you with working from home? Yeah, for sure. Um, or I suppose maybe just working in general. Like when you, Did you do <laughs> those when you were working on site too? Um, yes and no. I mean, some of what's changed over the years is that these have these options have gotten better. <laughs> so if yeah. you think about grocery delivery and dry cleaner mm-hmm. delivery and um, that sort of thing, um, which I'm a big, it, it didn't, it kind of broke a little bit with COVID. It's coming back now, but yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of, I can, I'm the only person who can nurture my family and lead my business. You know, I can lead my business with help. There's lots of amazing leaders in my business and shout out again to, you know, senior coach and tech people. And like, we just have such amazing people. Like this is not an Alyssa show, which I want to just call that out, you know? Um, but yeah, the, you know, people in my family eat like three times a day (laughs) and snacks, you know, there's a lot of food. And so, um, particularly during the pandemic, when everybody was home, like staring at each other, like, um, you know, what, what we've tried a bunch of ready to eat meals and sort of minimal preparation. Um, and where we've landed is we do grocery shopping, usually delivery from a local market, once a week. And then, um, I use sun basket because, um, I really like to eat and that's a problem with making sure my clothes fit. <laughs> so sun basket has really healthy options. We, we, um, we do paleo for the, we're not paleo, but we do paleo for the meal planning and they just send you the recipe and the ingredients. Um, so I really like that. Um, and it, so you I, want to physically cook your food. I do. You know, it's funny. I thought that I wanted the free time and it does, it frees up, you know, an hour a day, not to physically cook, but I actually realized by not having to cook for like two or three months, I didn't cook. Cause we were trying all of these prepared meals. I missed it. I mm-hmm. like the ritual. I turn, I have a really lovely, not, not huge, but a lovely kitchen. And I turn on my Spotify playlist and I light a candle cause it's dark and I put on my apron and I just, like it. And the food is better for, Mm. you know, it's healthier and better. So yeah, I did learn that I, 
I actually don't mind cooking, but if you mind cooking, there's such good options. There's such my husband options. enjoys the cooking. And so I just benefit from that. Um, Perfect. but there was, um, I have a friend who just had a baby. And so, you know, with the baby, she did, um, sign up for, I can't remember the name of it, but they were gluten-friendly, like gluten-free meals, um, and quite healthy as well. And she gave me a promo code. So for like, you know, uh, a small amount of money, I was able to get six meals for just a few dollars, um, more as a trial and they tasted fine, but I really didn't like the idea of peeling off plastic, sticking a plastic thing into my microwave and microwaving my food and just kind of like, well, so, um, yeah, it tasted good. And in a pinch, you know, if I was in a really, really busy season of my life, I would definitely eat that and enjoy it. I'd plop it onto a real plate probably, um, but yeah, I can see like there's pros and cons and for someone like my husband who thoroughly enjoys the cooking process, have at it. <laughs> well, and I love that you bring up, um, giving to other people because one of the things that, um, as you know, working people that suffers is, you know, really con- contributing to your family and your community. And so I would like to share one of my favorite COVID hacks, which was when, when, and unfortunately a lot of people I knew got COVID everyone, right? Not everyone I knew, but when people were sick, I could do grocery delivery from my yeah. computer through Instacart. We did it. And, mm-hmm. you know, so then, you know, people don't need flowers, they need soup. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. just like, Hey, here's a delivery. And I did that. I want to say four or five times for people. Yeah. I did that when my brother had surgery across the country, I could just like deliver groceries. Mm-hmm. And so definitely thinking about like, what are the things that are taking your energy that you can outsource? So in my mm-hmm. case, like cooking soup and delivering it to a friend, like yeah. I just didn't have the time, but I could deliver the soup without that. Um, there's also, uh, if you're familiar with shop box Fox, I don't know if you know, I don't know this one either. No. So there's lots of services like this. And I think Etsy does boxes too, but this is a local company that's getting bigger. They're, um, again, female founders, they do really nice, uh, gift boxes of various sizes. And I love it because they have a handwritten note. So like we did one for my mother-in-law's birthday, that sort of thing where, um, you know, it doesn't take that long from a time perspective. So I'm not having to bifurcate my attention from work, nurturing my family, whatever, Yeah. but it's a service, that kind of service that really makes the, the family or sort of like the community stuff there. And I also, I will say too, I do volunteer, um, for my church. I I'm working as a finance consultant, which I love, um, and then I also am excited. I'm getting to run the book fair for the elementary school next year. I did that a couple of times. It's really fun. Books are wonderful. How old is your daughter? She's in fifth grade. Okay. So I have a fifth grade daughter too. Oh, almost yeah. 11. <laughs> yeah. One other uh, hack. How, I don't know how you exercise. I've, um, it was sort of fortunate timing, but we got a Peloton right before the pandemic. And so I, that's one thing I do every day is some kind of exercise. Do you know if they ended up getting backlogged during the pandemic? Like, I, I can't remember if they were affected by the shipping crisis. I don't know. I mean, probably, right? I don't, <laughs> I don't have like one, but I saw one delivered and it's like a Peloton truck comes and drives and, you know, wheels it right into your house. It's pretty cool. Yeah. No, you know, and I would say the app you should I'm sure they have and I'm like advertising Peloton this is what good Mm -hmm. businesses do by the way a lot of our our Arcvita's 
business comes from people who've used us because they're like, oh, this works. You should try it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, in addition to the bicycle, I actually like the app, which you can just download. I think they even have a free um, trial period and mm-hmm. they, I do actually weight classes. I don't know if you have any free weights at home, um, but that's, they it's funny. Be- I ordered some and the little rack that yeah, is yeah. supposed to hold them came and the weights never showed up. Oh my gosh. Well, that I never thing. noticed. I never noticed until it was way too late. <laughs> well, that's actually free weights are very easy to find on Nextdoor or Craigslist or anything right. too. So yeah, so the app is really good. They do um, meditations or walkings or yoga that, or body weight that you don't even need any equipment for. And there's tons of, I mean, people who get into this probably have lots more strategies of um, on-demand workouts, you know, 20 or 30 minutes a day. Like we all know we need it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Today, uh, I was driving my kids to school. We, um, are outside of the boundaries for our, bu- our bus. And so I, on my way home, I was like, you know what? I haven't done my, I have, um, one of those street striders. It's like an elliptical machine that you ride like a bike standing up, moving your arms and legs. Mm-hmm. It's pretty weird. Um, and I was like, I need to remember how far it is. You know, this one route that I have done, I, um, this one loop that I make in this neighborhood and then another loop, what if I were to do them together? How far would that be? And so I took my car and I drove around because <laughs> um, it's just easier for me than like actually like drawing my finger on a map probably. But right. um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because our weather now here in Arizona is very beautiful um, and it's, it's time for me to give out. We got a treadmill from our local Buy Nothing group, a friend, um, and the Buy Nothing Project knew that I was looking for a free treadmill if possible. And I waited. Um, and she's like, I contacted the guy. He has a free one on Facebook Marketplace. And I told him I have a friend who's going to come and get it tonight. Can you come get it? And I could, thank God. <laughs> we loaded up in the van and we went and got it. So yeah. I've been taking a shelf and setting it across the arms. And I can put my laptop on and I can walk slowly. My husband gets on and he's like hoofing it. You know, he's like trying to like, you know, on his lunch break, just like, go like listen to a podcast and walk as fast as you can. But we went for a walk yesterday and that was really nice. Just the two of us outside during the daytime with the kids all gone, like just stroll through the neighborhood and we were walking pretty quick. Um, so I think we're kind of walkers. We're not like really high impact exercise people, but yeah, no, I mean, it's so, especially if the weather's nice, which I know in a lot of the country, it's getting cold enough. My, mm-hmm. my family in the Midwest is, does mall walks sometimes. Yep. One of my favorite tricks as a remote worker, because as you probably can tell, I'm pretty social, um, is actually to walk and talk. So either yeah. with family or friends, and I actually, I love to do this with business networking, like mostly with people I already know, but sometimes people I don't know, um, you know, Hey, why don't you and I both walk? So you're in Arizona, I'm in LA, let's walk and talk. And, you know, even if you're just strolling around for two miles, Mm -hmm. you know, you get that movement and it, and it feels like a nice break. You know, I don't know about you, but there are days when I don't not open the front door just because I'm working at home Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing housework, whatever. So it's nice to get out and see the green grass or the leaves changing or even the snow. Um, I think just for our I don't know how it affects my brain, but something about seeing nature is really healing. Oh, and there yeah. are you times and I could that just I talk about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I meant to ask you if you have a local office or if you just work 100% from your home. You know, it's so funny. We didn't start out thinking we would be remote. So we do have a place we can work together, um, but we don't. <laughs> 
Yeah. Are and you then, paying for this place? Um, it's kind of a long story. The answer is not really. Um, so <laughs> we pay for it, but it's not primary business use. It's there's another reason we have it. Um, okay. And it's also we need everyone knows who's an entrepreneur. You need a physical address. And this is a good one because it's in a secure building. So okay. you know, I don't have to worry about random people sort of visiting. Okay. Um, but yeah, we started out thinking we would have an office. And then what happened is that our model of impressive people, professionals who are coaches and mentors, like actually don't care where you live. Right. Mm-hmm. And we built our Gvita for access. Like we designed our Gvita for people who might not be able to leave the house, maybe don't have transportation, need to do this work in the middle of the night. Like we built this for access. Yeah. So if you can access it anywhere, why do people have to be in one place? Right. right. So it was a little accidental, but no, our team is remote. Even the people who've lived, some of the people who live in the LA area that work with us, I've never met, which I'm hoping to change after COVID. But yeah, I mean, it's 2021, you know, here we are. How did you get the name Arcvita? Well, that's a cool question. Um, So we, we were thinking, you know, we started thinking about like, oh, career, this and that, but it's really not about your career. It's really about your life. You know, work is a really wonderful part of your life. Right. And so we're also thinking about being a global company and being inclusive. You know, the if you remember the old Ricky Martin song, Living La Vida Loca, like that people learned the word Vida around the world because of that song. Mm-hmm. But it's a Spanish word, right? And so um, it's about your life. And arc mm-hmm. is a really fascinating word. If you think about an energy, it's the same in several languages. It's the strongest part of an architecture. Like if you think of an arch or arc, mm-hmm. it's the strongest um, part. And we think of careers as an arc. So wow. maybe you're at the beginning or the middle or high or kind of winding down, but you still want to work. And then it's also an interesting tie-in with energy. So if you think of an arc of electricity, yeah. so we liked the, we liked the global nature. We like the strength. We like the visual arc mm-hmm. as well as that. It's really about your life. We love our logo. Our first, we didn't like our first iteration, but we'll link perfect. to your website. People okay. can look it up. Um, well, I usually ask that question that I told you about before about, um, you know, what advice would you give people who are thinking about working remotely or from home or being an entrepreneur or branching off? Um, for the first time, I don't know if we've already covered all of that, but what, what do you want to talk about to wrap things up? For people who are just starting, who are really considering it, is that the, I mean, I think about, think about how you create value, like, and where that makes you really happy. So if you think about work or activity, not consumption, so not watching TV or whatever, but if you think about the, the activity that gets you in flow, like, is that writing? Is that research? Is it cooking or crafting? Or like, what is it that you're doing that you're just like, I would do this without, you know, when I have free time, this is what I do. For me, it'd be talking to people. Well, that's what you should do then, right? Like, so that is, then the next step is, this is what I like to do. And then pull the string. How do you create value with that, right? 
if talking to people is what you want to do, where are the places that somebody needs to be on the other side of that conversation? I think mm-hmm. podcast host, right? But a lot of other places too. Yeah. And then you want to you want to equate that to your experience, your skills, and your your not just your skills, but your education if you can, um, and really think about where the high need is. So we talked about, and not to keep talking about travel, but we talked about this incredible need in airline right now. Like Mm -hmm. if you like to talk to people and you like traveling an airline might be a great place to explore. Right. So Hmm. this idea of really thinking about industry along with what makes you happy, what you like to do and what creates value with that activity. And you can, you can play with that in a lot of different ways. I suppose that not everyone you serve is looking to work remotely. I'm, I'm assuming you help people looking in any kind of career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're personalized. So sometimes people are like, well, what age or what education? Well, we do only work with people who have earned at least a college, a bachelor's degree, okay. but um, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just, who are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So yeah, we've helped a lot of like, we've helped a surgeon, we've helped, you know, attorneys, we've helped people who didn't want to be teachers anymore. People who didn't want to work in sales. Yeah. Um, people had been in, you know, all kinds of different, cause it, it's just about you. It's not about it. You know, again, back to what we were talking about with the recruiting, like if you're working with somebody who works for a company, it's not about you. It's about the company. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you work with a service, like ours. It's about you. And you've talked about you, you help people who have bachelor's degrees who want to re-enter or upskill or, or change. Do you want to talk a little bit about who you serve? Yeah. So our client is an ambitious U S professional who's actively looking for their next great thing. Okay. So, um, at least a bachelor's degree or higher, probably half of our clients have master's or JD mm-hmm. or PhD. Um, just cause if you think about, you know, demographically, like half of millennials do, <laughs> like it's just sort of like, um, and then you have people who definitely people who are pivoting. So if you think about mid career, what you used to do worked for you and now it doesn't work for you. So sometimes that's because of a, you know, you're going back to work. Sometimes that's because you've had a, a second baby is actually a big impetus. <laughs> like, okay, right. not this. Um, you've earned a, a master's degree or a PhD and you want to use it, yeah. but you, whatever happened, you didn't use it. And now you're like, wow, I did all this work. I want to use it. Um, that's a big impetus for our clients. Um, but definitely people, you know, for on the junior side, people who started their career two years into it and they're just like, I hate this. Like, I don't know what to do, but it's not this. So we have a program for people of any age that's called Bridge Builder, which is, um, I think I'm going to graduate school. So let me explore before I do that. Okay. Um, I need to work. Um, so yeah. And then on the, with people more experienced, you think about 20 or 25 years. So you said you were 23 years, like you're not done working. You want a I job. I have like another 25 years. Left. Yeah. Yeah. So you want a job that's fulfilling and engaging and gives you income and allows you to nurture your family and, you know, aligns with your values. And like, you know, could you find that randomly? Like maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Right. And so not that's, these days, not the same way as you could have 20 years ago. Yeah. 
Well, and that's a good point too, is that 20 years ago, we were much more bound to a location. Now you can work anywhere in the world. And by the way, you're competing with everyone in the world too. Exactly. So it's a, it's a very different thing. I have to say one of the funniest things is that when random people, well, when, when, when somebody talks to me about what we offer, they think that the junior professionals are the ones who are most excited, but I have to say that our fastest sales are actually people who are more experienced because you already know what a great job means in your life. Like, yeah. And you know, the world has changed and that it's harder. So how, one more time, can people find you? I know you mentioned a few um, addresses earlier, but go ahead and reiterate those. Oh, thank you. It's arcvida.com, A-R-C-V-I-D-A.com. We're on LinkedIn if you want to check out who's on our team and what we're doing. And then if you just want to send me a note, absolutely happy to chat. Our first step is always a free conversation anyway. So okay. not a hard sell here. Um, and it's Elissa at arcvita.com. E-L-I-S-S-A at arcvita is A-R-C-V-I-D-A.com. Well, this has been very fun and insightful. I appreciate uh, the time that we, we did go um, on the long end, which for me is perfectly great. Um, I hope our listeners can, <laughs> we're on a very long walk today or, um, <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe they sped us up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I do that. So, well, thank you so much, Alyssa. Any final thoughts before we head out? No, I just want to encourage everyone. If you are stuck in your career, if you're not happily working in a job, you find fulfilling and engaging, don't stay stuck, you know, 10, 12, 16 weeks, you could be in a place where you're much happier. So just know that you have options. Thank you. All right. This has been Alyssa Unton with Abram Malone. And yes, I work from home and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Alyssa.